Folks, it's Freaky Friday. We've made it through the end of a busy week, another a weirdly busy February week covering Ohio State football, and I'm making a promise to you right now, and maybe you'll like it, maybe you won't, but we're not going to talk about the coaching staff on this episode of the Podcast Daily. That is Bill Landis and Jeremy Birmingham. I am Austin Ward, so that leaves us plenty of other things to discuss, which we got into a little bit on Wednesday after Ryan Day's conversation, but there are a few players in particular that were singled out and some maybe position changes in the works that I think maybe we should dive a little bit more into than we did during snap judgment. So, Bill, first of all, mm-hmm. the sunny styles of it all, what does it mean? Um, I, I don't know. I, I think, I, I guess one we should establish, like I, I took the way Ryan Day talked about sunny styles as if like he's probably moving the linebacker. Do you guys disagree with that? I do not. Okay. I do not. So then it gets a little weird, I guess, right? Like, because they only play two linebackers. You have Cody Simon coming back. You have CJ Hicks, who's been waiting, going into his third year um, for a starting role. And I would assume that Sonny and CJ would be kind of will linebacker types in this defense. Um, and I'm not saying that to like create a new thing to be worried about or like, you know, uh, make people freaked out, freak out about something else regarding CJ Hicks. I, I actually think it's interesting for CJ Hicks because I think that pushes us further down the could CJ Hicks play like a hybrid kind of role road. Um, but as it pertains to Sonny style specifically, since you asked me about him, um, I think it would be a tremendous move for Sonny. Like we've talked about it a bunch, so I don't want to beat a, a dead horse and be repetitive, but like the thought of a guy with Sonny size and Sonny's range and speed and like coverage ability. And um, I think he's got some pass rushing chop- chops, like everything about Sonny styles to me screams like, modern football linebacker um but even then like you don't see a lot of guys with his physical profile playing linebacker in college you see that more in the nfl i i think um so it's really exciting for me like i i I, like it's it unlocks a whole different world of possibilities for a guy who i don't know what is he in the top three or four on the roster in terms of just like raw freaky athleticism so unleashing that guy on this defense like in a different way that can provide you some different looks, I, I think just makes me think even higher of what this defense could eventually become. We watched Sonny, like when he finally started to pop onto the scene as a freshman at Ohio State, it was against Wisconsin and it was like covering tight ends. And we watched him against Georgia in the Peach Bowl two years ago, covering tight ends. Like that's what he's, I think, really designed for. And, and then being that at the line of scrimmage, I mean, he's extremely physical, very sure tackler when he's in space. But it's the angles and the having to cover wide receivers down the field that he seemed to have struggled in uh, at times this past season. And so why would you look at this as an opportunity uh, or as anything other than an opportunity for him to prove that he's that type of dude? And and I know people are going to wonder about CJ, but like uh, we've spent the entire last month talking about how Ryan Day's decided we're going to do what's best for the team and we're going to do what's best for the program. That means Sonny Styles has to play linebacker because that's where he's going to be best. And, you know, it's nice. It's a, it's a positive bonus that it's also the best thing for Sonny Styles down the road because that's where he's going to end up in the NFL. So when those two things can, can match up, uh, you certainly have to look at it pretty aggressively. And then that's the bonus, the gravy of what you get with Caleb Downs on the roster. Now this conversation can happen. It's not because Sonny has been, you know, uh, incapable of controlling his weight or anything like that, even though I think naturally his body is going to get to like 250, 255 pretty easy. But 
you can now just let that happen because you have Caleb Downs. And um, that's, you know, listening today on, on Wednesday, or it, it's clear that Sonny Styles is supportive of that move. There's been some back and forth inside of the coaching staff over the last, shoot, what, eight months about whether or not they were on board with that move. And it seems like there's been a little bit of a back and forth slash tug of war between certain factions about who's playing him where, but now you don't have to have those conversations. Well, the Sonny Styles conversation itself, Bill, you you alluded to it. Berm, you brought up two names. You you can't have the Sonny Styles conversation without including Caleb Downs' impact on it and CJ Hicks in that conversation. Like again, it comes back to 16, 17 games. There's going to be opportunities for CJ Hicks to play in some form or fashion. There has to be. There needs to be. There will be, could be, should be. All those things are true. Is it going to be a Will Linebacker? I really don't know. And some of that does depend on if Ohio State picks a plan and sticks with it for Sonny. Because I I went back through and I listened to the entirety of the one-hour press conference again just to like pick up some of the things that were player-specific. And when Ryan Day was asked about Sonny Styles, it was still a lot of the things like, well, he brings a lot of flexibility and it's versatility and he can play multiple spots and that's good that's a positive for Sonny Styles and a good for Ohio State unless you lean on that too much and one of the things Bill like and again it's not a panic it's a it's a luxury if it comes at the expense of like well they're going to play him in the nickel and Jordan Hancock they're going to rotate and play 50 percent of the snaps each there like that to me I think does a little bit of disservice to both of them but there's also a world where that can be a real positive for Ohio State if you're doing that against the teams that have no chance of beating them and rotating reps and staying fresh for the end of the year. Like they have yeah. a chance to do that. Like there's probably pros and cons for all of this. Yeah, I mean, that's that, that's true of a lot of the different a lot of the spots on defense. Right. I got my my view on it is in the high leverage moments, I want them both on the field. Um but over the course of the season, yeah, I think I think it's great to have that kind of flexibility because you could even take it a step further and say, like, I don't know, Jordan Hancock can play corner in some games, and like maybe you help spell a Denzel Burke or a Davis and Igbenosa, and obviously Jeremy Matthews is part of that too. Like to have, they have what? How many how many guys do we think like conceivably play multiple positions and at a high level? Like Jordan Hancock, definitely Sonny Styles, definitely perhaps C.J. Hicks, um, if you include the Jack as a second position for him. Um, Caleb Downs can, I think, play anywhere in the secondary and apparently on offense too, if you want them according to, according to Ryan Day. So um, there are opportunities for them to like really embrace the idea of what you're talking about on on defense in a way that I I don't think would be detrimental really to anyone's development, uh, nor detrimental to just sort of the defensive effort as a whole. And I would view it only as a positive um, to help keep guys fresh over the course of what Ryan Day expects to be. What what is it if if they play? Is it's it would be sixteen games, right? If everything broke right, they would play sixteen. Um, so I think you should do that if you have the opportunity to do it. Like it's it's a luxury that most teams that in college football don't have. Um, and Ohio State, that's true of Ohio State in a lot of different areas. But and even but it's not always true of Ohio State every year that they have this many guys with experience who you can trust who can play multiple positions and kind of spell each other and, and help each other out. So I, I would hope that they would wrap their arms around that and, and use it to their, to their advantage. We've talked so much in the last month as we've started to look ahead to next year and the desire we all have for them to be more multiple on defense and to change up looks. You don't have to run the same uh, 
four two five out there. You don't have to do everything the same. And when you look at the schedule for next year, like it's pretty bad. You have Akron, Western Michigan, Marshall, Michigan State, Iowa, Oregon, Nebraska, Penn State, Purdue, Northwestern, Indiana, Michigan. Like, who's going to force you to play a nickel in that group other than maybe Oregon? Like, you you could re- really be looking at a, a year where. Ohio State could play a more traditional four-man front, or you maybe play like the three-three-five, or do something a little bit different than than they've done because you're going to need to find ways to generate explosives against a bunch of teams that are going to try and slow you down by just slog slogging their way through a football game. So I think that there's a way that those guys can all be on the field at the same time, uh, and by all those guys, I mean Sonny and Jordan. Like it's just a funny conversation because if we go back to last September. The idea like Jordan Hancock is someone you cannot take off the field is not something we would have ever discussed. And now I don't know that you can do that. And I think he's probably more valuable than Sonny Styles is at this point because what you get with Caleb Downs. So it does, it's an interesting conversation, but you still reasonably only expect one more year out of Sonny. So you got to figure out a way to get the best out of him uh, in, in these next few months. And I, I think. Some of that is just how much does his body change? Does it, you know, does he quickly get up to that 255 and make himself and put himself out of the conversation at safety or in the slot um, and, and force you to be, put him out there as a, as a will? Or, you know, does the, the ability to play 4 3, maybe he's a guy who could play a, a Sam type of linebacker if we, if you really look at just body type. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do with him, um, but he's like, what did Ohio State do with Pete Warner? Cause that's the type of linebacker Sonny Styles can be. And so now you just have to find a way to to work the defense around it. And some of that is just simply not forcing yourself to play four down linemen every play. Uh, I bet the second that they told Sonny Styles, hey, would you like to play linebacker? He gained five pounds just standing there. It's like those old <laughs> cartoons where like, they're having Thanksgiving oh. dinner and buttons just pop. They just popped like, off. Uh, I'm gonna, uh, <laughs> you, you made a, a great point there about not just playing with the four man front. I'm going to, Test Bill's knowledge. I know that he's looked at this. I'm going to put him on the spot. In Jim Knowles' career at Oklahoma State and before, how often, how much would he change between three or four man front? Is there like an actual answer to this question? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't <laughs> Did think he ever play a four man front? <laughs> I just, when we've talked about the Jack, like, and and maybe there's not an easy way to find this without him just like rattling it off himself because I don't I don't know the answer and I thought if anybody did other than G- Jim Knowles it might be you but like that I'm so sorry to let you down no, you're a disappointment Bill you're not letting you're not letting me down because I don't I don't know who else tracks that other than the coaching staff itself but like there has been times throughout his career especially because of the Jack position where his defense has been more malleable. Yeah. flexible and multiple than what we've seen and that's there is a more rigid structure for larry johnson and i know that the two are working together to find the, the perfect solution of that but I, I just i do wonder that's not been something that we've talked about with jim Knowles directly in the first two years like what would you ideally like to do when it comes to not just being multiple in the back end but also up front yeah well i, I he very clearly i think likes to give himself the ability to to change back and forth between the two within the course of a game within the course of a drive like i don't i never tallied it up to see like exactly what it was when he was at oklahoma state but if you if you watch them on film when, when jim Knowles was there like he would have what looked like a traditional four down front he would take that float player he calls it and 
stick him standing up in the B gap. He would drop him back and have him play linebacker. Like there was there was a lot of different things he did, and he actually had he had two different guys do it at Oklahoma State too. And one of them was like sort of a more traditional defensive end type in terms of physical profile, and the other was like a smaller kind of speedier linebacker named Colin Oliver, who I think ended up I think they both both those players ended up having double digit sacks um, in Jim Knowles last year, but. Um, and I don't, it's harder at Ohio State because Ohio State has long recruited to be a four down program. So I'm, I'm not saying he necessarily can just kind of flip the switch and go do what he did at Oklahoma State, which was kind of use that package all the time. Um, but there's definitely talent on hand. Like it's not even CJ Hicks, it's also Mitchell Melton, it's, it's Joshua Mickens if he's ready to play. Like there's a couple of guys on the roster who would kind of fill that or, or fit the bill of what Jim Knowles is looking for from that position. And, and I actually think. Think he, he, I think he said this. Um, I think he would like to get to a place where he's maybe using that like a third of the time. I think maybe he said like 30% um, is, is what he'd shoot for, at least as Ohio State is, is constructed now with a lot of traditional defensive ends who like, you know, need to play kind of in a four down system. But like Berm said, you don't have to do that 100% of the time. Um, and it's easier, I think, to uh, mix it up, I guess, like, like, test yourself see see what see what sticks and what doesn't when you have so much established talent on the roster already like these are older smart football players who understand this system and and if you were ever going to try to put more on their plate and mix things up in the way we're talking about now would be the time to do it there was another name that that came up in that conversation that ryan day brought up unprompted which was arvel reese Mm -hmm. yeah he he's a freak and bill if you were talking about this uh flexibility and versatility with all of these players, with your son, would you tell him they all float, Georgie? They all float down here, Georgie? Is that is that no, how I'm, the conversation would go? I'm afraid of clowns. I wouldn't do that. Okay, huh. I wasn't sure. Um, I, I just think that Arvell Reese is like the type of player, potentially, that you have. Like, when we're talking about how do you get Sonny Styles on the field? How do you get uh, Jordan Hancock on the field? When you have athletes like Arvell Reese... The difference, in my opinion, between Ohio State's uh, uh, and the Georgias of the world in the last four or five years defensively is that when Georgia finds a player or an athlete like Arvell Reese, they go, how do we use this guy? And then they do it. Uh, Ohio State goes, how does this guy fit into what we do? And if he doesn't, then they don't often put him on the field. And I think that's a mentality that has to change because you can take chances on defense. You, you, we live in a world now where you can win a national championship 45 to 42. Uh, in it, it, it's happened f- frequently. It's here in the last couple of years, the best team and the best defensive team in the country has won the national championship, but you can still be the best defensive team in the country and give up 40 points in any random game. So I, I don't think that it's like a situation where you have to be afraid to just make, let a guy make a mistake. And I, I think whether that's CJ Hicks, whether it's Arvell Reese, whether it's, uh, Mitchell Melton, like just find a way to put these guys on the field and say, go do something that we haven't seen in the last few years. And and in Ohio State, like we go back to 2019 to look at Chase Young stat as a stat guy. We haven't really had anyone in the system in the last five years that's even close to that because Chase was so exceptional athletically and and was able to to win those one-on-one battles with offensive tackles. But he also had a great secondary behind him that allowed him to get there. The Buckeyes have the best secondary in the country heading into this season. And if you just give these guys a little bit of an extra oomph, uh, none of them are Chase Young. But if you can generate a half a second longer coverage, you're going to see a sack numbers go up. And I think if you just 
allow yourself to get creative and give guys an opportunity to display and use their athleticism, they're going to make things happen on their own. So you don't have to like scheme up a bunch of stuff. You just have to put your freaks out there and let the freaks run. Mm. Run freaks. Let the freak flag fly. Love it. Judges. Here's another F. Fryer. Bill. Mm. It's time. Get I just like some- I like the idea of Jim Knowles call when they do does that just be like run freaks under the headset <laughs> and see what happens. Remember when the freak show is what the in the special teams unit a decade ago? Like that's so funny because the last couple of years has been a freak show. It sure has. <laughs> different kind. Very different kind. Um yeah. all right. We're into the offensive line. It's your time to shine. Yeah. So it's similar to Sonny Styles, like I I I took with the way that Ryan Day talked about Josh Fryer to mean that Josh Fryer seems likely to play right guard this year instead of instead of right tackle. But that that doesn't really I think that's great for Josh Fryer and probably gets the best out of him. Um and is best for the offensive line. But I don't I don't know that it does anything to um calm people down who are still like a little fearful of this line not being or the line being the thing I guess that ultimately holds Ohio State back. Um because there's still a big old question mark at right tackle and what that's going to look like, right? Like it's, I wrote about this at Rivals on on Thursday, and it's like I'm really excited about the idea of Luke Montgomery and Tegra Shabola kind of battling for that, and maybe you know Zimahowski, George Fitzpatrick are in there. I, I don't Carson Hinsman to me is is not a tackle, so I don't think he's involved there, but maybe he can be involved with the right guard conversation. Um, and I believe that they can find an answer from that group to play right tackle and play played at a high level. Um, but I also understand if like Ohio State fans are a little uh, scarred from last year when Ohio State tried to do the same thing and then couldn't find an answer and then had to go get a, a transfer from San Diego State um, to, to play left tackle for them. So it'll be interesting. Like I, I think that that will be probably the most interesting position group or, or area to watch in spring practice, like the right side of the offensive line in general. Um, but I do like I, I think with the young guys developing, like everyone having like another year of experience under the belt, like I, I'm I'm actually surprised at my level of concern for the offensive line because I thought it'd be higher right now than it is. Like I actually feel kind of okay about what they're doing and, and how it could work out. I do too. And can I tell you why? It's a math problem. And I know normally on Fridays we don't do math. We don't do math why. here. Here's why. If you have five offensive linemen and four of them are in their best position, that means you have 80% of your line optimized, right? And 20% of your line that you're like, well, we're going to figure out how this works. If you keep Josh Fryer at right tackle, you have 60% of your line optimized. And that, my friends, is less than 80. So to me, putting Josh Fryer at right guard, regardless of what you do at tackle, is the decision you have to make because that's where Josh Fryer is best. And he did his uh, yeoman's work a year ago, did everything he could to prove himself at that spot. It just didn't work. And it's not a knock on Josh Fryer. He's a guard. He's going to be a good NFL player. I I'm willing to bet on it, but the reality is you're better off. If you can put him in his correct spot and build the offensive line with five guys in their correct position. So whether that's Tegra, whether that's Luke, whether that's uh, George Fitzpatrick, or whether that uh, is Ed Mahalski, whoever else you have at right tackle, make sure it's the guy who belongs at right tackle. We saw it in the 2021 season 
uh, with Thayer Munford. Like it's just, it's like you, you have good players, you move them around and it's wrong. So put your guys where they, where they play best. And then if it doesn't work through spring, find someone in the portal, but don't feel like the best option is to take Josh Fryer from where he's best and put him where he's not best because that is lowering your overall efficiency to 60% and 60 is lower than 80. Therefore math. That's great math. On Thursday morning, I was talking to Jim Lachey and he brought up Zen Mahalski as well. I, I wonder, I feel like maybe over the last two months, we've done him a disservice by, because we've talked almost exclusively about this is going to be a huge spring for Tegra Shibola and Luke Montgomery. And that was also the way it was sort of framed on Wednesday for Ryan Day. They're not the only two guys that can play tackle here. And when they went out for the first practice of training camp in August, and it was the jumbled up weird lines we're like oh that's looks like zin mahalski made the most of summer like he could be the starting right tackle now that certainly didn't wind up being the case and he barely played at all last season but that's another year of physical development that's another year of technical development i mean it's not out of the question zin mahalski was supposed to be a little bit more of a project right i mean mm-hmm. maybe this is the time that it connects who knows it, it's it doesn't necessarily have to just be two guys for one spot it could be three. Yeah, a guy developing into a starting offensive lineman in his fourth year in the program is not unheard of. So right. I don't think you should just cross that off the list. No, and the thing that's interesting about that conversation to me is we, I, I feel like we can say this, like we know that Ohio State views Zen and George Fitzpatrick as tackles. I don't I don't know if that's true of Luke Montgomery and Tegra Shabal. Like, I, I think mm-hmm. they can play tackle, especially Luke. Um I, I kind of like personal preference. I think Tegra's a guard and, and long-term probably needs to play guard, but he could play tackle in a pinch if you need him to for, for sure. I think Luke can play anywhere on the offensive line. Um, and I don't say that as a way of taking away from what his potential could be as a tackle, but I like, we just know that Fitzpatrick and Mahalski were recruited definitely to play tackle here. Um, and they're older guys. And I don't know, People make physical gains and they kind of do it behind closed doors. We really have no idea what either of those guys will look like when we get out on the field for that first spring practice. And um, like ideally, both of them make it interesting, right? But I also think they could take it a step beyond that and and not merely make it competitive, but like actually push for the job. And like Perm said, after four years for Zen and now going into three, year three for for George, like. That is a perfectly reasonable timeline for a player at Ohio State or really anywhere to be ready to start on, on the offensive line. So I would probably still put my money on one of the younger guys, but I, I, I definitely wouldn't write off either of the older two. Yeah, I mean, that's what the spring competition is for. And I guess that's we can reasonably say and confidently say if they didn't go take a tackle in the transfer portal, it's because they think out of not just those two, but potentially those four that they can find a solution there. So. We'll see. That's still about a month away before they really ramp that up. Was there anybody else, Berm, that was mentioned on Wednesday that uh, perked your ears? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I think you're look, heading into this season with so many guys returning and so many things that appear to be resolved that there's really only these couple spots that are real, worth the, the the conversation or the the inquiry because... Who else is there? I mean, we know the expectation at, at running back is is pretty there. I mean, I, I think people probably don't talk enough about Dallin Hayden. He didn't get brought up at all on Wednesday. Um, yes, he did. Yes, he was. He, was he? 
Yeah, yeah. Ryan, uh, Ryan Day talked about the depth in the running back room, how it's it's got to be one of the best in the country. And he he quickly said it's not just Quinshawn and Travion, but also oh, good. you know Dallin James and Sam Williams Dixon. So James I did Dixon. take a pee break during the oh. presser. Maybe that's when. Oh, that that's probably when that happened. Yeah. Um, but it was too was long right after, for you. It was right after Ryan Day said, "Wait, is Berm going the pee?" And then he said the thing about the running back room. Berm, Ooh. I know you, I know you have a tiny bladder. Uh, do you need to make a quick run? I'm only going to talk about the running backs. Don't bring no, it up on fine. Freaky Friday. That's fine. Um, no, I, I drank like f- four bottles of water. I had a juice on Wednesday morning. I had a Coke Zero. I had two bottles of water. It was, you can't hold it the whole day. I mean, th- that press conference well, went long, guys. That was a long presser. Don't usually have an hour with Ryan Day. So, um, other than that, no, I mean, I, I think that you, as I said, you're going into this year. We know who the starters are on the defensive line. We know who the, the light, especially now with Sonny Styles, likely to move to linebacker. We know how that probably starts off for Ohio State. Um, secondary seems pretty, pretty cut and dried. I, I don't know that there's really a lot of intrigue heading into this season. Um, I, I'm fascinated by to see the breakdown of quarterback stuff, but that's stuff we'll talk about in a month. So I don't know that it's necessary to go forever here uh, because I want to get to vacation. So, oh, okay. <laughs> Well, why don't you tell the people what you're going to do next week? It's going to be I'm going on vacation. all week reveal. I'm going on vacation. So these two will handle the business. Uh, that's all. So I'm, I'm actually, you guys know, like to take a vacation vacation where I'm like going to not work is, uh, I don't know that I've done that. And it's never happened. That I, I'm I don't know that I've of. ever done that. Uh, so that's going to be interesting. So we'll see how it plays out. Um, now, we did say at the start of the show, we're not going to talk about the coaching staff, but if something were to happen like Friday afternoon um, on the Bill O'Brien front, maybe I'll pop in to talk about it if, if people want that. Are you but talking about today? Today, yeah, this Friday. Because I figured that this is, I think the decision gets made today by Boston College, don't you? I would assume so. I don't know why you would go through flying out your finalists to Boston and doing interviews on campus and then be like, all of you go home. No, you're going to you're going to want to keep the one there and have a press conference and and let them get started with the team because it's February 9th. Like they're going to start spring ball in three and a half weeks. Like I assume that that would be the case. And yeah, maybe so we'll get an answer on that. If the guy already has like a house there, you know, that might be the easiest solution. He still has a uh, Massachusetts. He was driving his Massachusetts car around yesterday. I, dri- <laughs> I left the parking lot behind him. And what does like a Massachusetts car look like? Well, it was a Jeep, but it had Massachusetts. It had Massachusetts. plaid. Where it has it has a uh, one of those belt buckle hats that pilgrims had a, on top of, like it. a fur, a and, fur, and plaid. And it, it was wearing a Vineyard Vines quarter zip. Yeah, it's got a it's got the sport coat with the things on the. Elbows. It had some had some croquis on its sunglasses <laughs> that were over the lights. It was. Pretty it's cool. got blue. Uh, polo shorts, like really, really tight shorts with with dockers, with, mm-hmm. with dockside shoes, boat shoes. Yep. You know, that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So he was look like yeah. Bill. Uh-huh. He was wearing he was wearing the block O as Bill and I walked out of the Woody with him at the same time, just a little bit after noon, uh, as he was heading back to Boston on Wednesday. Uh, yeah, but we'll know that. Or as Bill said, shipping, shipping, shipping up to Boston. <laughs> We know we're go- we're going to find out that answer on Friday, right? So let- we can just reasonably assume that. Um, and then, what time? That I don't know. Let's let's say uh, two forty-five on Friday. Two forty-five. I okay. think we'll find out from the folks uh, in uh, Chestnut. What's it called? Chestnut Hill. 
Chestnut Hill. Pete Thamel. Pete Thamel will break that news at 245 <laughs> on Friday. Um, it's Al Washington or Bill O'Brien. Could be. It's probably going to be Bill O'Brien, guys. Let's just get ourselves mentally prepared for that. Yep. And then it'll be on to the next one, and we will cover that uh, to the best of our ability while Berm is on vacation. And uh, if he tries to get on the show, we're not going to let him. There should be no recruiting like announcements or anything in the next week. Should be good there. Well, if that happens, we're not going to cover that. (laughs) It's a good luck. Is there wood next to you? Can you go ahead and knock on that, please? Yeah. Knock, knock. That sounded like metal. Ding, ding. We're screwed, Bill. We're screwed. All right. (laughs) So that's the end of a week on the podcast daily. It has been a fun one. This has been a freaky one. Uh, and if we're, there's more for us to cover with Ohio State uh, and the offensive coordinator situation, we will certainly do so. But thanks for joining us on the podcast daily to start your Friday. Have a great weekend if we don't talk to you later. Uh, but for Bill Anderson, Jeremy Birmingham, I'm Austin Ward. We'll talk to you later.